if you have your scripture, actually you won't need the scripture today because it's up here. It's going to be a, one single verse. And I would like for all of us to repeat it together. And the reason for that is because at the other side of the message, when I finish the message, what I'm trying to, to, what I would like to invite you to do is we're going to revisit that verse, but we're going to personalize it. Wherever you see the use, we're going to put the eyes, and we're going to make it our own. Okay? So you're warned. I'm not changing the word of God. The word of God is the word of God, but we can personalize it. So let's all together say, and I am praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. I think we need to say that again. And I am praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. Dear Lord, we ask you this morning to speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, speak to our spirit in such a way that you will cause changes in attitudes, changes in perception, changes in our lives so that we can be better disciples of your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Paul is writing this particular letter to a friend of his who was kind of wealthy. Yeah, Paul had wealthy friends. Uh, Did you know that Jesus also had very wealthy friends? Yeah. One of them's names was Lazarus. Lazarus was a very, very wealthy man. And Jesus, in his travels between one city to the other, if he was going to Jerusalem, he would many times stop just outside of Jerusalem to refresh himself from, from the trip and hang out at Lazarus, Mary's, and Martha's house. It was a villa. He had pools. He had beautiful atrias, and he had beautiful gardens. And that's the way uh, archaeologists tell us today. Philemon was another rich friend of Paul, and actually um, he had money. He lived in a different place in in Turkey, and uh, one of uh, his servants, one of his slaves, uh, was called Onesimus. Can you say that word? Onesimus. Onesimus was a slave, was an employee by hire of, of Philemon, and, and guess what Onesimus do, did? He ran away. You read the story. He ran away. He ran away from his, from, from his master, from his job. He abandoned his duties. And, and, and they were both, so Onesimus was really crying out for justice when he ran away. And where did you think he went to? No, there was no underground railroad at that time. So he ran all the way to where Paul was. And he was hung out with Paul, and he pleaded his case before Paul. And then Paul, <laughs> interestingly enough, sends him back to his owner with this letter. And that's a document that we have. The letter which Paul wrote to Philemon so that Philemon would receive Again, Onesimus as not so much as a slave now, but also as a brother in the faith. 
So Philemon was wealthy. And, and notice at the text, Paul, what Paul is saying, he's beginning to write the letter, and as a good pro- pro- procurement, as a good man of, of faith, he says, I know, Philemon, that you have experienced the good things of God. He assumes that. He assumes that Philemon has been very faithful to God. Actually, the story goes on in saying that there may have been a community, a gathering, a church in Philemon's house. So Philemon was a sponsor of a community of faith, it is possible. And Paul is saying, I pray that you will put into action. Well, uh, Philemon knew what putting into action his faith was. Philemon knew that putting into action his faith was to do precisely what he hadn't done before. See? So, so uh, this is the story. Philemon is rich. Paul is writing Philemon. Onesimus is going back. But the action is, we want you to act on your faith. Act on your faith. And last Sunday, if you remember, I was talking about some elements of growing in faith. And growing in faith is basically, it's the action. Faith is not the information you get. How many people in the world know that Jesus saves? In the world. A whole bunch of them, they know that Jesus saves. What do they do about it? Nothing. Nothing. They don't respond to it in any way, shape, or form. But they know that Jesus is Lord, at least in a Christianized society like ours, right? Every politician, until last week, they were telling us, God bless America. Mm-hmm. My way. See, so faith is not the information that you get. Faith is not the information that the Bible gives you. Faith is what you do with that information. Because if God tells you, that you can move mountains like we heard last week. So why are we dying in the little creeks that we have around our lives? If God says that we can speak to the mountains and change things, why are we drowning in the little lakes and glasses of waters that we have in our families? So it's an active thing. It's a moving thing. It is a dynamic thing. Faith makes you walk the way you never walked before. And when you walk and live in faith, your perspective in life changes. So also, faith is like sowing. And of course, in an agrarian society, in an agricultural society, the image that Jesus would share with his disciples was sowing and reaping. Because that's what they did constantly. They lived in an agricultural society. How many of us in Marietta live in an agricultural society? None of us do. We live in a business commercial society. So in order for you to understand the word sowing, I'm going to throw in investing, which is, oh, so anti-church. No, that's exactly what Jesus is saying. That's exactly what the word of God is saying. To an agrarian society, it is sowing. To a commercial society like that, it is investing. Where are you investing your money? Where are you investing your time? Where are you investing your treasures and your talents? And thirdly, we grew, we, we found out, that faith is giving of myself and myself. Today I want to very briefly talk to you about uh, uh, growing in generosity. But to grow in generosity, generosity is the ability to give freely and abundantly. Look at those two words. Ability to give freely and abundantly. By the way, those of you who are visiting or have not been in the house lately, this is our stewardship season Meaning this is when we try to convince you. <laughs> no. This is when we make you aware 
of the needs of our community and the opportunities we have to grow in faith financially. And then you make your promises accordingly and your pledges. And we'll talk about that later on. But growing in generosity requires that you are free. Free from what? Free from a mentality of scarcity into a mentality of abundance. The Psalms tell us that the Lord is the owner of what? And everything in it. God is the owner of the earth and everything in it. So if God is the owner of the earth and everything in it, why do we, and we belong to God, why do we have a mentality of scarcity, a mentality of lack, a mentality of need, a mentality of crisis after crisis? Why do we live in fear? Why do we experience even stagnation in our lives? Because we don't want like to be stagnant, but we want to do all these changes, but we don't change. People who live and have a mentality of, of scarcity also have unrealistic expectations. Like, like the, the, one of the most unrealistic is that their life is going to change by them doing the same thing. No. People who live with a mentality of scarcity, they have a tendency of hoarding, of keeping, and, and not telling anybody because what if there's a rainy day? Well, there are going to be a lot of rainy days. Actually, it's going to rain like a thunderstorm and it may rain like a hurricane. And you'll have your savings and you'll have your okay. But how about the others? Hoarding, being selfish is all a mentality of fear and scarcity. And that's not the way to live if we live in the gospel. Jesus promises us and Jesus encourages us and Paul and the Spirit of God throughout all of Scripture tells us that the mentality to have in Jesus is a mentality of abundance. It's a mentality that I can do it, that it can happen. Do we stay here or do we dream to look for the building that's going to fit our needs? Staying here requires no faith. Staying here requires no faith whatsoever. It's complacency. Moving ahead with God's plan is faith. Oh, we don't have a GPS. Neither did Abraham, neither did Moses. And as we come to the time, neither did Mary or Joseph. But having the mentality of abundance, having the mentality of Jesus in our lives, having the mentality where, where we are not only a, a, a gift of God, has given us grace and has made us his own children, a mentality of abundance means that we live by faith. That we live with dreams. That we believe what we talk about. Not that we just give it lip service and go home and hide we have visions people with the mentality of jesus that is an abundance a minor mentality it, it thinks a win-win situation remember last time that many people think that giving was losing because we have that thing that when we give we're losing yet in, in in the christian mindset in the kingdom of god when we give is when we exactly so see the difference uh, Jesus in chapter 10 of John says this, DJ. He says, the thief has the purpose to steal, kill, and destroy. Steal your blessing. Kill your blessing. 
and destroy your blessing. Kill your future with God. Destroy your future with God. But Jesus says, I have a different purpose. My purpose is that you will live and will have abundance. And yes, we're talking about finances. That is part of it too. So not only a shifting from a scarcity mentality to a a mentality of faith, but also we need to have a mentality to be free, to be a blessing. If you're afraid of losing, you will never be free. If you're afraid of every time you give, you're losing something, you will never receive. Because you're calling it. Freedom. Uh, The old King James used to call it liberality. Remember that word? Some of you remember that word in the old King James? Give with liberality. With freedom. Now, I'm not talking about giving your rent. No, 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 no. We give according to what God puts in our heart. You know, the Old Testament, and there's a lot of talk out there, and some of you have asked me, well, how much are we supposed to give? Are we supposed to give 10%? Well, you know, that was what the Old Testament plays, 10%. In the New Testament, I don't see any percentage. In the New Testament, what I see is every person gives according to what they place in their hearts. I think that's better because it's not limited to 10%. See it? Yeah. You never seen it that way before? Ah, because we're legalists. We, we, we got to have the number. No. Come on, loosen up. <laughs> loosen up. It's not the 10%. It's whatever you set in your heart that you can give cheerfully, that you can give faithfully, that you can give meaningfully, and that you can give abundantly. Oh, it may just be that penny. Like the widow who gave her two little pennies. It doesn't matter. It's what are you giving. It's how your hand is going. Uh, uh, Sometimes people give like this. Have you seen those? Uh, I I, I do that when my kids used to ask for the car keys. You don't go like that. You go like, uh, here. (laughs) Right? (laughs) No, we got to (laughs) give freely. Now they have their license and they're paying for their own insurance. Oh, yeah, why not? Go ahead. Is insurance paid? Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) That's giving with freedom. No slave, no scarcity, no limitation. Because why? Who's got your back? Huh? The Lord's got your back. So when we give, we give honestly, we give freely, we give with whatever we're able to give. And sometimes we give sacrificially. Sometimes we give meaningfully. And maybe by abundance, it's two pennies, right? Because that's all you got. You got to pay for your lunches and some stuff. My sister tells a story when she was in, in seventh grade. She heard a message about tithing or something like that, probably in our Presbyterian church around this time of the year. And, and she was very young. And she decided to tithe her lunch allowance. 
She never talked to me about that stuff, so I didn't know. But she would give a nickel every Sunday to church. It was a nickel. Of the three of us, she's the richest one today. <laughs> you don't have to worry about anything. <laughs> Maybe it was a nickel. Faithfully. Faithfully, every Sunday, a nickel. It probably made the sound. How many of you gave, used to give coins and you used to put it all together, let it fall right in between your fingers so it doesn't make the sound? Make the sound. It's what you're giving. It's what you're able to give. Celebrate what you're able to give. Now be aware that if you do so, guess what's going to happen? Guess what's going to happen? You will give unto the Lord, and the Lord is going to give you back. Give and you will receive. Your gift will be returned to you in full. What's pressed down? How many of you have had that, those bags, and you've got to press them down and shake them so they can get deeper? Shake them and they get deeper. Have you done that? Well, that's what the Lord is asking you to do because he is going to bless you, overbless you, and overbless you. Now, he gives those blessings so that we in turn can share them. So as freely as we have received God's grace, so freely we should offer grace to others and the opportunity to hear the message of God. You see, Jesus, when he's quoting this verse, he's actually sending the disciples for, for the first time in Matthew chapter 10 to do all the weird things that Jesus used to do. He sent them to go heal the sick. He says that. Go heal the sick. The sick. Seek. Yeah. Go open the eyes. He even says, go have some people resurrect back in life. And then he says in verse 10, I'm pardon me, in verse 7, go and announce to them the kingdom of heaven and tell them that it's near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, curse those with lepers, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. And give as freely as you have been given. So I invite you this morning to grow in your faith. And as you discern to give for the following year. Grow in generosity as you decide to give perhaps more than ever before. I also invite you to repeat with me the verse that I said. They were going to own it. Maybe I should get close to the door. Let's repeat it together, my beloved. And I am praying that I will put into action the generosity that comes from my faith as I understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. Hmm. I got to read that again. Let's say it again. And I am praying that I will put into action the generosity that comes from my faith as I understand and experience all the good things. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for being our Savior. We thank you for being our Lord. We thank you for being our Christ. We thank you for the grace that your Father bestowed through you on us. And we ask you, God, to help us respond faithfully.
to your gracious generosity. That, may we, that we may really be people of grace and gratitude. <laughs>